And so to be able to empower, you know, refugees in Australia and give them opportunity and Mm. give them hope and and show them, you know, what we can do in Australia and what we can be and and how much opportunity we have. I mean, that's really special. And I think, you know, Bike to Belong in particular, for me, sport plays a massive role in society and, and getting outside and or inside if you're on a on a stationary bike and um you know working up a bit of a sweat and having some fun with your mates i mean you know obviously we're elite athletes and we take sport very seriously but at the core of it sport's all about being with your mates and having fun welcome to justice matters the podcast inspiring a world where everyone belongs i'm your host tim buxton Hey there, guys. You are in for a treat today. I just got done chatting with Jordan and Elise Wood. They are two times Olympians. In fact, they are competing at the Olympic Games in Tokyo this year. Um, But they're also joined forces with You Belong Australia to participate in our very first Bike to Belong campaign. It's happening in World Refugee Week from June 13th to the 20th, where we're encouraging people to get on their bikes to bike 80Ks for the 80 million displaced people in the world. As we talk about in today's episode, that's 1% of the world's population. In fact, in the last year, it's gone from an estimated 70 million to 80 million displaced people. Um, As the world has just been reverberating um, and and being severely impacted by covid there's so many displaced people today uh, bearing the brunt of that um, pandemic. And uh, I was just so inspired to see the enthusiasm and the joy that Jordan and Elise have as they talked about why they're participating in our Bike to Belong event as ambassadors and as coaches to Hakar and Banyas, who are former refugees here in Australia, um, to coach them as they participate. Uh, we had a great time talking um, not only about Olympics and, and what it takes to overcome challenges, but, you know, we shared about the inspiration that refugees have and, and we really sat and considered just some of the those statistics that I just read out earlier and what that means and why we can use what um, profile, like they have a high profile as Olympic athletes and whatever we have in our hands, we can use to to serve and benefit others. And so I know you're going to really enjoy sitting and hearing their stories um, and learning a bit about them. Um, and I, again, we just got done chatting. They are a hoot. It's a, so much fun in, in the podcast studio with them. And so, yeah, we invite you in and we hope you enjoy today's episode, Jordan and Elise Wood. Hey, Jordan and Elise, thank you so much for stopping by the studio. Thank you. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks for, for having us. us. Um, guys, like, how far away are we now from the Olympics? Last time we met, it was literally 100 days until the Olympics. And what, we can't, what where, are we under 90 yet? I think mm. we're about 80, 83, 4, something around that, the low 80s. So, yeah. so we're I know, I know it's about th- 13 and a half weeks till we race now. So, yeah. Wow. yeah it's, we race in the second week of the game, so the the countdown is till the opening ceremony. But we kind of have to sit on our hands for another yeah. week after that. So I mean, the excitement starts, you know, in eighty however many days. So so that's fine. Oh man, that's just crazy! I can't believe it. And how are things going with with your preparations? Is it smooth sailing so far? Yeah, it's been really good, especially sort of the last. I don't know, four to six weeks after our last regatta and we sort of, it's a lot clearer runway now and a lot more certainty around the games and we have a bit of a plan of attack. So it's just been, yeah, way better the last sort of few months and it's been big improvements and all mm. through that. Yeah, I guess for us, you know, we've got our national championships coming up in three weeks, I think. Yeah. Um, we're going to Adelaide for that. So that'll be our last race. Uh, mm-hmm. That's tying in um, for the same time as when the World Cups are meant to be on in Europe. Uh, so we're not... Obviously, Obviously traveling, to go, to, yeah, yeah, but it will still be happening. So it's going to be nice to be able to race at the same time as that happening, and you know, kind of get our last check on on where we're at, and be able to tweak a few things and have enough time between then and the of games. Course. And rewind one year. I mean, you were supposed to be like 
going to the Olympics last year. And, <laughs> I mean, obviously we all know what happened in 2020 and we don't really need to yeah. um, rehash that too much. But, I mean, ha- uh, having that false start, having to kind yeah. of go through that, regroup, figure out what are we doing, how, how does it feel now this time around, you know? I think um, you go first. Yeah, I don't know. I think for us as a country, I think looking at where we are compared to a lot of other places in the world, we've definitely been given a really good shot because our, the way COVID's been handled and everything here has been a lot mm-hmm. better to the rest of the world. So I think it hasn't impacted us as much as it has, say, Europe or those sorts of countries. So yeah. I think we're in a pretty good position. And, yeah, I think we're super lucky and fortunate to have that. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it's weird because, you know, we're reliving moments now that we thought we'd you know, live last year, like Mm -hmm. the year to go celebration, you know, we've now had that twice. And so (laughs) uh, we're under a hundred days to go. So that's good news. You know, we're on the home stretch, but it it is different. And and we know these games are going to be different. Um, Mm. Sometimes different isn't bad. Uh, We're we're learning more and more about the games, the closer we get about, you know, what it'll look like and how it will be different. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, we're going to the games to race and to put it all on the line. Yeah. And, and no matter what's happening, we're going to do that for sure and, yeah. you know, represent Australia to our, the best of our ability. So that yeah. doesn't change, just kind of, you know, the bits and bobs around the edges do. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah look, and you're, you're not first-time Olympians. I mean, you guys have been there before. I guess you've got that to your advantage. And that's impressive, yeah. I mean, to have competed in an Olympic Games and maybe I got you one because we've got another exciting challenge that we're going to be talking a bit about and your involvement um, beyond just your own challenges and and, and serving and empowering others. Um, We'll get to that in just a minute, (laughs) but I'd love to just just talk a bit about, you know, what what it was like for you last time you competed and maybe tell tell our audience, you know, um, what you competed in uh, because they're probably... I'm still can't get my head around. Is it kayaking or is it canoeing? <laughs> it's very I keep reading up, and the, the two words keep interchanging. Yeah. It just keeps yeah. messing with my head. So maybe you could, you yeah. know, introduce the audience to a bit about that. So Jordan and I are both sprint kayakers. Um, sprint kayaking is uh, basically in a straight line. Uh, we race 500 meters and a thousand meters, kind okay. of from point A to point B in a straight line as fast as you can. Um, kayaking, canoeing, and canoeing. A little bit different to each other, but very interchangeable at the same time. Yeah. Canoeing is the traditional, you know, word for our sport. Um, mm-hmm. You know, way back when canoes were used to transport, you know, food and, and things like that down creeks. So that's where canoeing was born. Uh, but nowadays canoeing is on your knee and kayaking is on your bum. Okay. And so we're the smart ones and we're yeah. on our bum because it's a lot easier to <laughs> I'm balance. Very, I'm very thankful <laughs> I sit down yeah. and not kneel for an hour. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Canoeing's really hard. (laughs) We chose the easier one, that's for sure. (laughs) But there's two types of kayaking as well at the Olympics. There's slalom, so they go down rapids and do spins. Oh, yes, I've seen those ones, yes. They're really cool. And like we're like the boring cousins. Yeah. Um, So we're We're, the straight line. We're just all about going as fast as we can in a straight line, so. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, so we both competed in Rio. I competed in the the double over 500 metres and And Jordan was K4th. Ah, thousand. Yeah, and K two two hundred as well. So yeah. I got two events last Olympics. So so Jordan got fourth, the chocolate medal. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> just, I mean, it's just amazing. Like really, and you, you were pretty chuffed too to make your your final as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Bully and I made the final, which we were stoked about. So yeah. hopefully we can do a lot better this year. Yeah. Oh, it it's it's incredible just to be an Olympian. Uh, I I think is. Um, a lot of a lot of hard work and overcome a lot of challenges and setbacks. So um, to be able to make it twice, to be able to get there, and world champs as well. I mean, that's pretty um, pretty impressive. So you've got big hopes going into this year. You've got some goals. What are your ambitions yeah. going I mean, in? It's hard to tell because um, we don't know what the rest of the world's doing. We haven't raced internationally since yeah. 2019. So to to know where you are in a world ranking sense, I mean, no one knows. And so, you know, we definitely have big goals though. Like, you know, I know we both want to be on the podium mm. and I think that that is quite possible yeah. uh, for sure. Um, there's so many different factors playing into this games, but, you know, we know what times are doing and we know we're hitting what we need to hit. So yeah. the good thing about kayaking is you don't generally, you know, more or less what the times people are going to do and they haven't really changed over the last sort of like five to 
10 years even. They're always similar times. So if you can train and hit those, you generally know if you're on the money or not, which is, it's always a good thing. Yeah. Oh, man, that's, I mean, just to know you've got a crack, you've got a chance of having a crack. Yeah. Anyone's got a chance. Yeah, we always say it's like. If you made the final. Steve Bradbury. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) He's the the ultimate example. You always, yeah, once (laughs) you make the final, it's really. Whoever turns up on the day. And yeah. Do the like, lanes make a difference? Because, you yeah, know, people yeah, they tend can. to think. Especially yeah. if it's um like a crosswind. You can okay. be protected on one side of the course or, yeah, if, that's it really. But if you it, don't get to choose your lane if you've, no. you just automatically get put yeah, in. Yeah, so like the fastest lanes. kind of qualifiers go in the middle and yeah. then you make your way out. But everyone's so close normally with qualifications that. I mean, the winner can come from any lane. And yeah. Yeah, sometimes conditions play into it. I mean, we're racing in the morning, so hopefully, you know, wind typically comes up later in the afternoon. So hopefully it's a pretty fair competition. But we're an outdoor sport and anything can happen, so who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and okay, I've got to say this. You're, you're a husband and wife team. <laughs> now, you're not obviously in the same boat. You're competing in separate yeah. teams and events. But... Um, I, what are some of the pros to being a husband and wife team? And maybe we can um, oh, yeah, like, signpost some comments as well. <laughs> it's definitely um, helpful Like if I have a bad session or something Elise can relate because mm. she would have had a bad session as well, you know, from time to time. And, you know, it's, it's good. It's not like, you know, we know what each other's going through, like mm. from a day-to-day basis. So I think that's definitely helpful. I think for me, it's the fact that we get to share such huge moments in our lives together. I mean, you know, obviously the Olympics in Rio was a huge um, thing for us, you know, being our first Olympics and to be able to go through everything together. And I remember at the closing ceremony, I was sitting on Jordan's shoulders and, you know, that's a that's a crazy moment in your life. And I mean, you know, a year later, um, I won the K1 1000 meter at Worlds, so my first world championship. Yeah. title um and five minutes before that jordan and his crew won the k4 and so yeah. oh my god <laughs> we won our first world championship titles within five minutes of each other so that's also hugely special and i mean yeah, not many people can say that that's for no, sure not at all oh my gosh how cool is that I, i'm just got i know you're probably not thinking kids right now you're competing <laughs> but you're just gonna probably have some incredible like, <laughs> athletic kids one day that are just gonna um, blow, blow it pressure. out of the water well, jo- both of Jordan's parents are Olympic medalists so he's like the product of, yeah, of yeah. you know Olympic medalists my parents are letting the team down a little bit <laughs> but that's okay <laughs> they, they'll get the good looks from your oh, side yeah, don't exactly. worry yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. because I did see a photo of you um, it must have been before you met because you've, you've got you're on a BMX bike which kind of will segue into yeah, where yeah. we're going <laughs> and you've got this crazy long hair yeah, yeah. I'm thinking what? <laughs> Jordan, how on earth did you manage to snap up Elise? Oh, I don't know. I was definitely pretty lucky, I think. <laughs> I think it was a haircut and then... We didn't start dating until he got his haircut. There you go. <laughs> the game changed after that. Yeah, yeah. If you go to the um, Australian Olympics page, I did, did some, some reading up about about your guys' achievements and stuff before you came in. But, yeah, the photo's on there. If you, if you Google Jordan Wood and go to their so page, funny. you're going to love it. Yeah. Um, but, um, but you, I mean, you kind of took to kayaking a little bit later, it seemed to indicate, um, even though you, you yeah. had it kind of in your, in your blood. And I know, like, it's because especially, like, both my parents were always in kayaking. So yeah. I was always in and around the sport and – from a young age, I definitely always could paddle and did paddle. Mm. But, um, yeah, I sort of just sort of floated in and out more or less until I was about you know, 15 or 16 and then I started paddling more and more because um, sort of around like my early teenage years and stuff, I just wanted to go and race mountain bikes with my mates. So yeah. I did that for a few years and um, didn't have all that much success because I crashed a lot and I uh, didn't really <laughs> – make the end of races all that often oh and <laughs> but I had a lot of fun and then um I sort of was paddling a little bit and then I ended up making my first junior worlds team wow and I sort of realized that I probably was never going to make it as a mountain biker and I just made the kayak team and then I just sort of progressed from there and started training more and more 
Yeah. And um, yeah, here we are now. <laughs> and you and like we said, it's in it's in the family. Your mum's coaching yes. yeah. you, Elise. She's gets a, a bit tense sometimes. Is a coach. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can only imagine, yeah. She she can she knows what, what whether you've been out too late or, or whatnot or <laughs> how much she, she knows, knows everything. everything. Yeah. Mother-in-law seem to find a way. Oh, yeah. don't they just <laughs> I have a very unique relationship with my mother in law, that's for sure. But no, we keep it very professional and two yeah. two lives are quite separate, so that's handy as well. Uh, oh, yeah, so good. So, um, we we almost got you back on the bike, but because you're prepping for the games, we can't. <laughs> we m- make sure that you know you don't have any more crashes. Yeah, yeah that's a pretty um, wise idea. Yeah, <laughs> you, you 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 kind of broke your yeah. broke your collarbone last year. Yeah, so you? last year after the Olympics was cancelled, it was like. Straight away, I was like, oh, it's great. I've got three months off. I'm just going to go ride my mountain bike <laughs> oh, every no. day. And, yeah, one thing led to another, and I just started, like, doing bigger and bigger jumps. And then I, um, yeah, I just came off one day and landed on my shoulder and broke my collarbone. And The bike yeah, hasn't been touched Smashed my foot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the bike stayed in the shed. So. <laughs> I'm sure everyone is happy. To, we're happy to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> just get you. Put you in bubble bubble, bubble wrap, wrap and yeah, make sure yeah. you get you on that plane. And um, but um, yeah, we've. I mean, the reason why again, I've been able to connect up with you guys. I've known about you for quite a while. Got some great family friends, and and have followed your journey a little bit. So, but we first met just the other, you know, month or so ago, and we were talking back and forth about this event that we're hosting for you belong, the charity that empowers refugees here in Australia, to integrate, to thrive. You know, these are uh, are families that have fled war, persecution, in some cases genocide. They finally make it onto Australia's shores and they've got residency to start their brand new life, overcoming, you know, like a a new culture, a new language, and, and we're able to get alongside them. And we've got this awesome event to promote awareness for them during World Refugee Week, which happens just before the Olympics, called Bike to Belong. I shared about it with you, and you're like, "We're in." Yeah. Um, tell me, tell me why. Um, tell me why you're so excited to be a part of of this event, and and maybe you could you could share what role you're playing in the in the lead up to to that event. Yeah, I guess for me, you know, when you explained um, what you belong and what bike to belong was about, I mean, for me, I love the idea of everyone having equal opportunity. Mm. Um, and I think that's so important. You know, you can't be what you can't see, um, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's the saying. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's so important today and every day. And so to be able to empower, you know, refu- refugees in Australia and give them opportunity and mm. give them hope and, and, and show them, you know, what we can do in Australia and what we can be and, and how much opportunity we have. I mean, that's really special. And I think, you know, Bike to Belong in particular, for me, Sport plays a massive role in society yeah. and, and getting outside and or inside if you're on a on a stationary bike and um, you know working up a bit of a sweat and having some fun with your mates. I mean, you know, obviously we're elite athletes and we take sport very seriously, but at the core mm-hmm. of it, sport's all about being with your mates and having fun, and um, that's a huge thing. And so you yeah. know, marrying up, you belong and bike to belong. It kind of it kind of brings those two really great things together. And so, I mean, Jordan and I are super stoked to be involved. Um, you know, we're, we're teaming up. Uh, our team's called uh, Toowoomba to Tokyo. We're teaming up with um, two refugees who are now in Australia, obviously, and, and they live in Toowoomba, uh, Haka and Banyas. And um, so that's yeah. the Toowoomba. And then to Tokyo, we're obviously going to the Tokyo <laughs> Olympics. So, ha-ha. <laughs> Love that name. Um and we're going to be helping them out uh, with getting on the bikes and completing their goal, and um, you yeah, know, just mentoring them a little bit along the way as well. So, yeah. yeah, hopefully we can kind of get them excited. I mean, I do a lot of speaking engagements and always talk yeah. about my journey and the fact that for me, you know, I'm a serious athlete or whatever, and you go out and you're very, you know, you're trying to get the job done. But for me, to be able to get the job done, you got to have fun and you mm. got to have a smile on your face, and so that's one thing that I like to share with people and hopefully I can share with um, Haka and Banyas as well is the fact that, you know, you, you just have a good time and, and you can have a good time when you're on the bike riding and, you know, we're still going or raising money and raising awareness and doing yeah. this really great thing and they can kind of pair up and, and marry with each other. Mm. Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, Haka and Banyas, uh, we, 
we got kind of a first acquainted on Messenger and hopefully they'll be coming down on the Gold Coast uh, really soon to meet you guys and and um and just you know these are two young young people one one Banyas is in her 12th grade at at high school um and she's had to kind of start at square one just learning English but has graduated so that she can now do her like maths and science classes overcoming these challenges and she's got a younger brother also in high school that's so impressive because she's only been here for a little bit over a year so yeah, I know. I definitely know. I I would really struggle to learn a whole new language within a year. So Jordan Jordan <laughs> speaks a little bit of Dutch. Um, yeah, his mum's from the Netherlands and yeah. spent a bit of time there growing up. And he's still his Dutch Spoke, is still very dodgy. Yeah, spoken it all my life, 26. but I, I could never spell. I can't spell at all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but then so it's very you, impressive. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, just learning a new language in itself within a year in a new country in a new environment. Yeah. So impressive within itself. Yeah, and then to be able to study like maths and science and all these other subjects in that new language Huge. is oh, massive. Yeah. We struggle with that at the be- on the yeah. best days. <laughs> <laughs> English is hard. I like English, but you know, the rest of it. <laughs> Let me tell you about one of our partners, Freedom Broadband. They're an incredible profit for purpose business. Freedom Broadband is your all-in-one internet and telephone service provider, whether it's for your business or your home. Now, their internet connection and speeds are simply amazing, and they're in another league when it comes to the quality of their customer service. But here's what really sets them apart. When you switch to any of their services, they'll donate $5 every month to a non-profit cause of your choice. As the founder of You Belong, an Australian-based non-profit charity, one of the greatest challenges we face is fundraising. And I think I can speak for almost all leaders in the non-profit world when I say that being able to have a residual income coming into your accounts to support your work is a dream come true. And like most non-profits, our work is dependent on the generous support of individuals and groups that share our passion to empower refugees to integrate and thrive here in Australia. What that means is that we spend more time and energy looking for ways to raise support. And what I desperately love to be doing is spending that time and our limited resources developing and growing the many successful programs that we run. But here's where our friends at Freedom Broadband come in. You see, a few months back, I was on a 4G wireless connection at home through one of the largest phone and internet companies here in Australia. And each month I was nervous about going over our usage, getting a nasty bill at the end. And I was working on a lot of the podcasting and videos at home and the speeds I was getting were just painfully debilitating. And I finally decided to give Freedom Broadband a call. And within two minutes, I was on the call with Graham completing my application. And within a week, I had completely switched over to their $79 a month unlimited plan. And I can tell you firsthand, the service has been phenomenal and I have a direct line to their customer service team whenever I have a question or need assistance. Now the studio and office where I work has switched over to Freedom Broadband as well. We're on their business plan and we haven't looked back. And how cool is this? Little by little, connection by connection, Aussie-owned and locally run Freedom Broadband is now actively supporting the great work of non-profits in communities all around Australia. Simply by switching your internet to Freedom Broadband, you can help transform the lives of those less fortunate. And that's why I love these guys. Get this, head to freedombroadband.com.au and quote Justice Matters on your application form and they will donate $50 from the activation fee to support Justice Matters. That's going to enable us to continue this podcast and inspire the world where everyone belongs. That's freedombroadband.com.au. Say goodbye to expensive, mediocre internet with poor customer service and hello to top-notch internet service and the good feeling of knowing you're supporting a great cause. Join Freedom Broadband today. Quote Justice Mattis and let's partner together with the internet that's helping to change the world. I think there's something beautiful about, you know, pairing Olympians who 
have had to work hard to be resilient, to overcome challenges, to reach a, you know, to reach that goal. You know, um, it takes a lot of hard hard work. And and I mean, I've worked with refugees for the good part of you know a, a lot of my professional life, fifteen mm. years of international humanitarian work, spent four years in Iraq and are working alongside these beautiful, beautiful families. And they they truly are the most remarkable, resilient, courageous people um, you'll ever come across. So much to teach us. And so I, I have a feeling in this exchange too, as you get to know them, as, you know, Banyas has never even like ridden a bike before. Crazy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yet, you know, grew up in Australia, there's just not a chance you're not going to learn how to ride 100%. a bike. Yeah. Um, here she is. I'm going to ride 80Ks in a whole week. And so we've got her a gym pass so that she can actually, she, her and her, her, her brother will actually do it on stationary bikes. Yeah. You don't want them, uh, no. you know, <laughs> driving through the streets of Toowoomba. And, and, um, not ideal, no. Yeah, um, n- not that they, we sh- we couldn't probably find a track for them, but we thought that would be the, the best way to, to approach it for them. But um, but again, an incredible, like what a feat, what a, what a spirit to be able to say, yeah, I'm all in, let's do this. I love that. Yeah. I mean, you know, if we talk about the Olympics for a little bit, you know, the Olympics for me isn't just about gold medals and, and winning. I mean, we all want to win, we all want to be on the podium, but you look at the Olympics and it's so much deeper than that. You know, the stories that come out of that. I mm-hmm. mean, there's the um, Olympic refugee team that I yes. spoke to you about a little bit. And, you know, you've got so many stories that come through like um, Eric the Eel and, yeah. and um, Eddie the Eagle and, and things like that, you know, that they're just having a go and they're, they're loving it and they're having a good time and they're happy to just, you know, throw it all in and, and give it a crack. And and that's what this is about. You know, for Hakar and Banyas, it's just jumping on and they're doing it for a good cause and they want to do it. And so they'll definitely achieve it because, yeah. you know, when you put your mind to something, of, of course you can. And yeah. we see that so often with different stories that, you know, the media or, or whatever looks for these triumphs and gold medals and whatever, but actually the good stories come from much deeper and, and beneath that. And, and um, they're the ones, you know, when I'm watching different stories from the games or from different things happening around mm. the world. It, those are the stories that really inspire you and the ones that actually kind of get you off in the morning. Yeah, totally. Now, to think that, you know, I'd love to just read, uh, and for those listening, um, we, we haven't kind of talked a lot about refugees and immigrants on this podcast. We, we have talked about a lot of other issues and human trafficking, but I just thought I'd just read some of these statistics, just to let them sink in a bit for us, mm-hmm. right? So 1% of the world now are displaced there from their home forcibly. Um, to put that into kind of figures, that's three times the population about of, of Australia. I just have had to flee their home and they're just living either in a tent in a neighbouring country, they might be internally displaced, but completely, you know, in, an, in a place where they are not welcome. Mm. Um, only like, I think... F- 15% make it to countries like Australia. The rest are in uh, uh, are in countries that are, are, you know, facing acute food shortages and malnutrition or just overwhelmed themselves and unable to care for them. Mm. Um, 40% of refugees are children um, having to live in these conditions. And, and, and for us as Australians, right, we... We are the lucky country, really. 100%. We have so much. <laughs> Definitely. Um, and to think that you're going to be competing in walking out right into that stadium with, uh, you know, people representing Syria, um, where six million of their own pe- people are, are exiled and, and refugees and, and South Sudan and, and Afghanistan. And, and I, I could go on mm. in the numbers. Um, how does that... How does how does that make you feel? Sorry to bring such a no, somber no, no. mood, but how does that make you feel? I mean, first of all, you know, it makes you feel lucky and proud to be Australian. Mm. I mean, we yeah. are so lucky here and we're so sheltered. Mm. Um, and to hear statistics like that is is crazy because you know you say one percent of the world's population is displaced. I mean, that's one yeah. in one hundred. You know, you sit in. A yeah. school hall, and I think and what one. really hit home for me was that's three times the population of Australia. Yeah, huge. like that's. Like what you say one percent, but then you say three times the population of yeah. our whole this country. country. That yeah. is, that's a massive amount of people who are you know living in poverty and who are displaced, looking for a new home. Yeah, yeah. that's crazy. That's massive, particularly because, and I touched on it before. I mean, you know, we're brought up to believe and and be given 
relatively equal opportunity. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's obviously issues within our own country as well, but still we're all... Comparatively speaking. Yeah, we're, we're hugely, you know, blessed to be given opportunities that we're given. And it's just, it makes me feel sick that other people aren't. Mm. And, you know, we do take so much for granted here and there's just so much going wrong with the world beyond kind of our shores. And I guess particularly at the moment with with COVID and, and everything yeah. that's happening, you know, countries are under more pressure and, you know, there's there's lots more things happening as well in terms of health. So crazy, wild. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think especially like if you're a refugee, you're fleeing your own country because it is not safe for you to live there to start with. When, when you said the number 40% of children, mm. that could – if I'm thinking about that, that means like their parents have had to either stay behind to yeah. mm. fight in a conflict or protect lost their a family, parent along lost the way. their family yeah. along the way, and then they're in a refugee camp by themselves. Like that's a, it's, it's not fair. Yeah, it's not yeah. fair at all, especially if you're like a mm. small child. Like you can't look after yourself. Yeah. I struggled to decide whether I wanted Vegemite toast or Wendix <laughs> in the morning. Like just to think that children are having to make life decisions and they're out on their own and and we're worried that there's no chocolate in the house like yeah. it's just chalk and cheese and and i think that's why it's so important that you know we do pause for a week you know and we mm. just consider hey look um this these are the stories and 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 again in the midst of the tragedy you you can unearth some of the most incredible stories mm. the most inspiring people i think uh, there's that um Who's that paint painter that just did Guy Sebastian? Um, on, oh, Ando. Ando, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah He's yeah, just, yeah, yeah. you know, we've got <laughs> a, a, the leading prosthetic surgeon in Australia is an Iraqi refugee who fled and 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 came here and and has developed an inc- incredible prosthetics that that is used on a friend of mine who lost her leg. You know, mm. um, and and you know these. These, this is what makes up even our own country, Australia. We the people to celebrate, people to welcome. Yeah. Um, well, Australia, I think to start with, like if we look back to our beginnings, is a massively multicultural nation. Anyway. Yeah. I think so. I think for Australia, we need to definitely welcome more um, cultures. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think, couldn't come with, I couldn't think of a word. But yeah, I think Australia is definitely like. Everyone you talk to is like no one's really from Australia. Like, like my family's from Europe. Elise's family's from Europe. Like, we've all, yeah. Like your granddad was a refugee from Germany. So wow, yeah. yeah, So it's all Australia's a massive melting pot of cultures, and I think we need to embrace that. And I think that makes us stronger as a nation as well. And 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 I think too of of when we consider our Indigenous brothers and they do this welcome to country ceremony, and even in in the tragic past of 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 even our beginnings, they have extended a hand of welcome to country, welcome yeah. to this mm. land. You, this is a land where all um, where everyone belongs. Isn't that like to, to to understand that in our heritage that that we yeah. are a country that has come together and forged with all our differences? And I think you're so right, Jordan. We've got to, I think, um, regain that a bit more. Um, and I, I think I appeal to the good in all all of us. We all want that. We all see that. And I think it's weeks like World Refugee Week that remind us once again as we tell these great stories, as you ride along – well, not ride, as you coach and train <laughs> alongside some of our newest – neighbours our newest refugees you're cheering them on and saying isn't this a beautiful picture of what australia is yeah yeah 100 percent. yeah i love that we're a very special country i mean yeah we just you know spoke about it you know and our indigenous culture converging with the fact that we are so multicultural i mean you know we're we're just a country that is so unique um Mm. and i think we're finally coming into our own with understanding that particularly the indigenous culture cultural side of things you know i'm only just starting to really learn about that and understand it and appreciate it as yeah because well, we weren't educated on that in school no. and which is ridiculous i'm 28 and i don't know a lot about it and we're only just now like we've we've been in the last few months um kind of involving ourselves more in our in our local community and learning about that and it's and it's so eye-opening and i think you know mm. this is the type of thing that needs to be learnt in school and, and same with learning about refugees and learning about yeah. the world we live I in. I think in school, like, we definitely don't learn about definitely not our own culture to start with mm. enough. And um, 
you don't really learn about much that goes on in the world currently currently yeah. which is um i think it's a pretty big flaw i think if that was taught more in schools people have a greater understanding on different cultures yeah. and the way like the world is as well and yeah. um just be a bit more accepting in general i think would be a massive step forward a bit more education around it as i get older you know i feel even more naive to things like this and and you know we talk about our indigenous our indigenous culture sorry mm. and, and you want to learn more and and i just feel like i'm so behind the, the um eight ball is that the yeah. word because i i just knew nothing about it and i mean you know, no, no fault to my parents at all, but, you know, they didn't know much about it either. So they couldn't exactly teach me about it. And now they're starting to learn and they're in their 50s and 60s. And, yeah. and that's just, that's crazy. So, um, you know, World Refugee Week and, and, and weeks like this yeah. are so important because awareness is is huge. You know, yeah. if you're not aware of something going on in the world or aware of what your neighbor's doing and you'll never be able to, know how to help or, or know what you can do or, or know what they're doing, yeah. you know, from the start. So it's it's hugely important to just be in front of people and, you know, be on screens or, you know, be riding down a road with a shirt on or whatever yeah. it is. And we talk about, I mean, I work in marketing, you know. Yeah. <laughs> if you take it back to marketing, it's the fact that if you see something in many, many different places, you know, yeah. you see – you see a word on a shirt and then you see a word on a billboard and you see a word on your Instagram page and you'll slowly start to marry it up and you'll actually start to become aware that it's a brand and then all of a sudden you'll be buying it without even marrying it all up. So Wow, the you know, subconscious, yeah. the subliminal connection, Isn't it? So, <laughs> you know, weeks like this, Awareness Week. Yeah. You, they're, just, they're just so important. They are. I, I think you've I think you've you hit it so well. We've got so much to learn. I think it's a, a I could if I could put a little plug in for our our latest podcast that you belong started is called Who Is My Neighbor, mm. and it's highlighting some of these stories. And just uh, we actually interviewed Banyas on that podcast, and you get a little to know a little bit about her. Who is my neighbor? Check it out on Spotify and YouTube. I think uh, already up there, but it is about taking the time, right, to just listen to somebody's story that's different to us to to learn about our past as difficult and as painful as it can be for not only for us but for those mm. that have suffered so much as a result of our history um taking the time to listen to learn to educate ourselves is is just so it's not only so important for us as a society it's important for us as individuals um and i really i'm really so thankful that you've been willing in such a busy time for you preparing um for you know one of the biggest um moments of your life to take the time to say hey it's not just about our goals and our challenges we want to help others um, overcome their challenges and um, and achieve their goals here I think you know the fact that we're so happy to jump on board is is we know how lucky we are mm. um, you know we know how fortunate we are and, and we're in a position where we are very very fortunate um, and you know to be able to kind of share our profile and and not that we have a huge profile in Australia, <laughs> but still, you know, the, the small profiles that we do have to be able to share that and, and do what we can. I mean, you know, it's not going to change the world, that's for sure, but every little bit counts. And and the fact that we're just having a conversation about it and then, yeah. you know, even since joining up and um, talking to friends about it, just talking about what it is and what it means and, and they then go, oh, okay, you know, what does that mean and, you know, what can I do? And so, you know, yeah. even if you touch the lives of five, ten people, that's yeah. enough. You it's know, so you, true. You've done your part. Making a friend, just one friend, um, can change that person's life. And it's that um, that mentality of just being able to change one person, just being able to impact that one person's life. Um, and you're going to do that, obviously. I know Haka and Banya are just <laughs> super pumped. And, and the support that we'll be raising is going to impact and help so many refugees that are um, learning English for the first time through our, our, our English friendship group. And we've got a Heroes program um, for, for young kids in school that we're running now that help them with overcoming resilience. A lot of them have experienced, you know, um, you know, war. And they're coming in here and, they've, you know, we really want to make sure that they not only succeed in school in their academics, but they succeed in, in, in their personal lives as well 
Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, what you guys are doing, you know, you're creating groups and yeah. friendship circles almost. And we know also well that in, in sport you need to surround yourselves with the right group of people and, and we know how much that can make a difference to not only obviously you know, the effort we put in on the water and what we can produce, but also just your mental health and, um, you know, just your happiness around the sport yeah. and around, you know, your everyday life can have a huge impact and, and again, we see that coming out in results and so yes. we have like a tangible thing that we go, oh, I'm happy off water, I'm paddling well on water and, mm. you know, what you guys are doing, you know, with these people um, – is, is so amazing because mm. that can make a massive difference to their life as a whole, mm. not, not just in the fact that they're learning English or, you know, yeah. the fact that you're teaching them different things. It's, it can make a, have a role on effect, I guess, to many different aspects of their lives. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think it's like a, create a bit, creates a bit of community as well. And I mm. think if you have a good little community, it's, you know, easier to sort of thrive as well. And, you know, you learn from other people as well and, it, you know, it's just a, I think it's a really good thing. Yeah, that you hit the nail on the head. That's what I mean. It's if you're plugged in to the community, you're mm. going to access all the resources that that social community has, and we mm. find that those that are part make make friends and get plugged in really quick. Um, th- they're going to get access to jobs and opportunities, and 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 mentally and emotionally, um, like you said, thrive and mm. and and. and um, do so well so um yeah we're we're you're, you've got your own little group here and <laughs> and um well i look forward to seeing how they go now do you have any tips um I, I was just watching the news the other night with my daughter and she's in grade five and it was talking about the brisbane olympics <laughs> um potentially coming you know we've got a bid for the yeah. for brisbane right and and i'm sure that'll take over the gold coast and sunshine coast and this whole region uh, we had the Commonwealth Games a couple of years back, but this would be huge, right? And I'm like, Eliana, you'd be like 18 years, <laughs> 20 years of age. I mean, perfect. Um, yeah. <laughs> what, any advice you have for young people out there listening um, or tips um, that you could give give to them? I think, you know, for us, and, and you see this happen in elite sports so often, is that you don't have to be the best at your you know, favourite sport at 10, 12, 14 years old, you know. Most of us weren't, you know, we didn't actually, a lot of us didn't start paddling a kayak until 15, 16 Mm. years old. Mm. And so don't think, and I went through primary school thinking this, that, you know, I was scrambling trying to find a sport. I mean, I went to the Sydney Olympics when I was eight with my mum and I knew I wanted to be an Olympian after that and then tried every sport known to mankind and and nothing ever stuck with me because I I wasn't a good runner. I couldn't catch balls. I don't have much hand-eye coordination. and, And then I just resigned to the fact that it was, kind of never going to happen and wow. then I stumbled upon kayaking but so many people in our sport and you know in so many other sports don't actually hit their I would say strides till later mm. yeah I'd say I think especially to kids I would say try every sport yeah to start with and just you know get involved in everything and you know you pick up all these different skills along the way like I've never been a great ball sports or coordination person and it's simply because I never really played ball sports as a kid. And I've, you definitely, the more sports you do, the more of an idea you get on what you want to do and what you do like, what you don't like. Like I did swimming, mountain biking, always paddled mm. and um, realised swimming wasn't for me. Yeah. Black line's a bit boring. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Couldn't do it. <laughs> Mountain biking was a bit too dangerous and then I settled on kayaking. And I think the biggest thing is that, you know, you need to have fun with it. And yeah. if you're going to be an Olympian or you're going to be really good at anything, whether that's, you know, music or your chosen career path or, or whatever it may be, you know, in your working life, it's that you're not going to be good at it if you dread going there every day. And I think you see that a lot with a lot of kids coming through is that maybe their parents are pushing them a little bit hard and they're Mm. trying to live Mm. up to expectation and they're not enjoying it. They're just going through the motions, doing what they have to do, I guess, and trying to please people. But you come unstuck when you're a bit older with that because you do need to enjoy going every day. It's like work, you know, Mm -hmm. even if you love a certain job, some parts of the job aren't great. No. No one likes doing paperwork. You can't tell me anyone likes doing that. But it comes with a job, you know, like with us. Lactate sessions are the worst thing in the world. But it comes with a job. You have to do them to be a good paddler. And I love paddling and it makes me happy. 
So I go every day and I'm surrounded by my, my mm. epic teammates and, you know, Jordan and, and things like this. So as long as you're enjoying something, it, yeah. it, it doesn't, you know, that's going to trump everything else. And I mean, the biggest thing as well is enjoyment. And I mean, we've learned this a lot through COVID is, is that even if you can't kind of achieve your end goal, I mean, for a while there, we thought the Olympics were going to be cancelled. And mm. so even, even if that was going to be pulled away from us, you know, you can still look back on something really positively because we've had a bloody good time kayaking over the past four years and, you know, we've had some great opportunities and have loved going to training and being with our mates and paddling all over the world. And so even if that one end goal, you know, you talk about long-term goals is, sure. is not achievable or it's out of your control, Yeah, you can still look back on something really positively. So, yeah, have a... Good time is yeah. the yeah. biggest bit of advice we can give to someone yeah. wanting to go to the Olympics. Yeah, definitely. If you enjoy what you're doing, it makes it a lot easier. And yeah, like Elise said, there's always some bits of it that are hard and a little bit difficult. But, you know, you just look past those things and hope. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, laugh nah, your way through it. You laugh your good. way through <laughs> it. And, you know, yeah. You have your teammates there and. They're always there to help pick you up when you <laughs> when you're feeling a bit down on some sessions, but <laughs> oh, that's so true. And and um, you know, there's a lot of people out there that have had a tough a yeah. tough year, right? And I think of the refugees that have experienced great loss, great pain, and great suffering in their life. And we all go through those moments in life. I remember um, you were diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. Yeah. Disease, um, and to overcome these challenges i mean what would what have you learned through maybe some experiencing some of these things that we you know all of us go through in life yeah. and some obviously yeah. might be going well, through got, right now i sort of got diagnosed with an autoimmune disease in 2017 which was a really sort of it was a incredible year in the sense that i won a world championships that year before i'd been diagnosed but i'd been sort of suffering with it really. yeah i've been sick and then wow. i had like two or three months off that year sort of around this time of the year actually so around march to april and i would train and then i'd have a day off because i couldn't train and yeah all these things sort of like were going a bit sort of wrong and i was like oh this isn't good and um for some reason i just thought it would all sort of work out in the end and yeah it obviously did but um yeah i was just super lucky i had a like my teammates still really like supported me and they were sort of still believed in me that I could do the job mm. of um, paddling in the back of the K4. And, you know, Elise was great along the way. She said, yeah, you'll be right. Because, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. We didn't know he was actually sick at this point. Yeah. Wow. Because <laughs> it was just, it just, you were just struggling. I kept getting yeah. blood tests and I just kept trying to, they kept trying to pinpoint what it was. It was glandular fever and then it was like something else. And then I just yeah. kept, sort of I'll have like a few weeks off and I'll be good for a week and then I'll just be absolutely slammed and just had to lay in bed for two days and oh my. it wasn't until after Worlds, after we won the World Championships, we came home and I had to, in the end, I had a liver biopsy done and it came back as I had, um, I had... Which is where you get a needle through your rib cartilage. Which oh, yeah, yeah. Which is it's a horrible horrendous. experience. I wouldn't, I wouldn't <laughs> recommend it to anyone. Dear me. But um, <laughs> yeah. So this was, I was probably, I know, it was sort of suffering from it on offer about close to a year until it was like fully diagnosed, and um, yeah, which is really good because since then I've got a, like all my liver functions under control and stuff, and I haven't had an issue in two or three years so wow. but yeah it was a really there was a lot of sort of dark days where i was like i don't really know if i'm going <laughs> what am i still thinking i'm training for like i can't even paddle 200 meters <laughs> like wow i think what got jordan through and and probably what's changed i think since kind of pre that time is is the fact that you know everyone kind of rallied because i mean yeah. we didn't really know what was wrong with him i mean you know some days you and naivety comes into play is you like, oh, toughen up, you'll be right. But we sure. probably shouldn't have been. But in, in yeah. hindsight, it's a lovely thing. But, you know, we all rallied him and we did all believe that he could do it because he is excellent and at what he does. And, and so, you know, in those pretty not great days, yeah. you know, that kind of what got you, is what got you through. And then 
since he's been diagnosed, I think, you know, and being able to get on top of it, you know, he's been able to lean more on all of us around him because we all get it. We all know what's going on with him. So that's, I mean, for me, I'm speaking on your behalf, but that's been a huge learning for me is that you can listen to your body more and, and lean on everyone around you. Mm. Yeah, I think that was my main, probably what I learned from myself because I was always, I never really listened to my body. Mm. And then I think having this sort of made me listen to my body more and if I was feeling super run down like I just have a sleep in I don't <laughs> I don't go training if I'm <laughs> tired and run down so <laughs> but I think you know what we all learn through tough so times good. in your life and you know that's one of Jordan's and you know we've had a few blows over the last few years that's for sure and, it, and mm. it's that you, you need something to wake you up in the morning and, and for us I mean obviously that's each other but as well that's mm. paddling and yeah. and we found that in COVID is it's you know paddling got ripped away from us the Olympics were potentially getting yeah. cancelled got postponed a year um, we don't have kind of normal jobs I mean Jordan's a lifeguard and I, yeah. I work for myself but we don't have that nine to five job you can just go to and find routine so we lost yeah. we lost all routine and and we found ourselves at home you know we our training facility got shut down. We couldn't wow. go to gym, couldn't paddle from our yeah, house. Our was gym. never cleaner though. Our house <laughs> <was so clean. laughs> but, but we learned that actually what made us happy is to go for a paddle in the morning and, and not a paddle where we are tested and we have computers yeah. on our boats and all these things. It's just going for a paddle and that makes us happy. And I think there's so much learnings you can take from that for anyone is that you know, if you're going through a tough time, it's fine what you love doing. And it can be as, oh, as little yeah. as reading a book or, or, you know, coloring in or whatever it is. But if you do that for a little bit in your day, no matter what's going on in the world around you, mm-hmm. you can find a bit of joy in that little moment. And, oh, that, and that, you know, paddling with the sunrise coming up, you know, we were going through some pretty crappy days with all the the media reports and not knowing what your life was going to be like and we wanted to start a family last year and we couldn't and mm. you know all these thoughts going through your head and yeah paddling on beautiful glassy water made it all better so, yeah yeah i love that thought what what wakes you up in the morning and having a good hard uh, honest look at you know what it is that what's yeah. your why as other people say what's 100%. your What's your reason? Yeah. Um, and it doesn't have to be something that's super it doesn't profound. And, yes. Yeah, you yeah. know, people often search for that and like. It changes in, li- in yeah. life too, right? It, you, you, you change, do. your interests change. And yeah, I think like it's like some, like one day we'll probably have close this sport chapter and mm. then we'll get up to, you know, strive for something else in life. And I think that's important. You've got to always like set new targets and you've got to go after them because if you just sort of, sit around and like mull and be happy you're just gonna sort of not really move forward and i think i know for us i don't think that will work because <laughs> we're always been chasing goals and really trying to get the best out of sort of ourselves and each other so we're a bit too competitive yeah <laughs> we always got projects on the go so <laughs> we're always scheming yeah. so many schemes it. happening but yeah oh, i love it you know just as as we close i was thinking i was reading through one of the um sweet um former refugees up in Toowoomba she was just sharing her story and she was talking about how she left us um <clears throat> she left Afghanistan and then had to flee into Pakistan and was mm. there for many years in a refugee camp and and Pakistan hosts so millions and millions of refugees there as well and she finally was able to make it to Australia and she writes in the bottom you know I am just so grateful to be in Australia I will always you know, treasure, um, treasure, uh, um, Afghanistan, my, my, you know, the country mm. I was, but I will, I, I'm, I'm, whatever I do, I want to do it for Australia first. Now I'm so grateful this opportunity they gave me. And I was thinking about that, as you said, you know, there's, a, there's chapters in our lives that we close and we have to open a new chapter and, and, and as much as the past is going to be a memorable, incredible thing, and you're still there, still still got your, your eye on, on what, what's ahead of you, that will move on and we, yeah. we do have to start new new chapters. And, and I think as we look to refugees and we look to those that have, you know, endured so much and have come here and starting new chapters in their lives, um, they've got so much to teach us and so much oh. to learn um, to, to show us and how they do that. Yeah. Oh, 100% agree with that. Mm. I think we could 
yeah, definitely learn a lot from a lot of refugees and hearing their stories as well is super eye-opening, seeing their backgrounds, where they came from and mm. why they s- like seek to seek, no. seek, to sil- yeah, yeah, seek asylum, seek asylum yeah. in Australia. I think, I think they're really important lessons that I think more and more Australians need to hear. Mm. Yeah. I think, you know, for us, it, it could be as well, a little bit, a bit of a reality check. I mean, we talk about closing one door and opening another with our different chapters. And, and that might look like, you know, closing the elite sport door and opening parenthood door or, yeah. you know, going into full-time work or, or whatever that is. Um, and that's really daunting and it is, and, and everything's Everything relative, is. Yeah, but imagine, you know, fleeing your country and, and getting to a new country that you don't speak their language and, you know, you, you know, you don't know anything around you. you mm. Like you go to a supermarket, like yeah. what is this everything, food in the aisle? Everything's like, new. There's nothing familiar. Yes. Yeah. And then you think in perspective, what I'm dealing with is is not that crazy and we can learn a lot from that. I mean, again, everything is relative, but still, you know, it's it's crazy the amount of learnings we can take from them. And I mean, we're always looking for inspiration and, you know, people to seek that inspiration from. And, I mean, you don't have to look far to find that. <laughs> no, you don't. They're, they're right here. They're our neighbours all, yeah. the, all yeah. over the place, which is a beautiful thing. Let's – we better make sure we point out exactly, <laughs> you know, World Refugee Week is June 13th to the 20th. Um, what That's like literally a, Very a, soon. a month. <laughs> and it's like a, a month or so before you're on a plane, yeah. right, yeah. to um, – and people, we're encouraging people to create their own team or like like you've created or ride solo. And during that whole week, bike, um, we're, we're giving them a target of 80 kilometres. Now, if you're a little kid um, and you just want to ride 8Ks, you can choose an, a smaller option. Or if you're a part of a gun cycling team, you can customise that and ride 800. I don't <laughs> care, you know. Yeah, it, it is customisable, but we are we're asking people, hey, during that, that week – Get on your bike. We're going to be sharing some incredible stories. We're going to be sharing your journey a little bit more as it unfolds with Hakar and Banyas. Um, and, um, yeah, it's everything that people need to know about it is at the website biketobelong.com. Um, have I missed anything else out about the event? Um, well, I think it's just the, the idea that, you know, every little bit counts. Yeah. And, again, you know, you say you can ride 8Ks or 800Ks. It's whatever you want, whatever type of bike you want. It doesn't yes, matter. Whatever there's, type of bike. There's no rules. I mean, I've spoken to my dad about a mountain bike, but, you know, you were talking the other day about a motorbike. So, you know, if you like your Sunday <laughs> motorbike strolls, we do have a, a, a happy gr- days. A, a, a group up in... Um, uh, Toowoomba that are going to do on world on the final day, which is World Refugee Day, June twentieth. Yeah. When we finish up, they're going to do an eighty k uh, motorbike ride with their, their whole crew, which is that's pretty cool. awesome as that's well. That's great. And so. I guess like, and you'd know more about this than I do, but every dollar counts. Yeah, every dollar 100%. always counts, and so it doesn't. You don't have to go out and and raise thousands and thousands of dollars because every little bit you know makes it. It does make a massive difference and uh we've got some friends over in in iraq and uganda that do work on the front lines in refugee providing um trauma care counseling and um, support to refugees um, so some of the proceeds will also be going directly to those that are still um in in very difficult circumstances mm. and haven't had the opportunity to come to australia so um Everything's going to go and make an impact uh, around the world. And it's a global event. So if you're tuning in from Germany or Australia listening to the podcast, we do have a few international um, listeners. You can, it's virtual. You just do it on your own time. You can um, sign up wherever you are and participate. We've got the Empire Tri Club in New York joining with us. We've got um, friends in Helsinki, Finland, um, people from all over the world. It's summer for them and it's winter for us. So it's probably the perfect kind of riding season yeah. <laughs> on the bike too. Winter in Australia is debatable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not quite. It's like, yeah. A winter's yeah. day is a summer's day in Finland, I'd, I'd say. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Exactly. So, yeah, I think we've covered it all. Um Thank you so much, guys, for chatting, for getting getting to know you that little bit more and hear your journey. Uh, we're so we're cheering you on. We're so excited. Um, Eighty something days to go, and 
um, we'll be on our on our TVs cheering you on. Just so thrilled that you guys are representing our country and and represent. I think representing, you know, using your profile to help and serve others in in that process, it, it means a lot to us, me, and and the work of you belong. So thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for no, having thanks us. for having us. Thanks for listening to this episode of Justice Matters. I'd like to take this time to thank my audio-visual engineer, Jose Biotto, for your help in producing the show. I'd also like to shout out to the Patreon community that financially supports this podcast. Guys, thank you so much for your support. You can join them simply by going to patreon.com forward slash justice matters for a simple donation of $5 a month. You can become part of the Patreon community and get access to behind-the-scenes content and extras that I share just with you. And lastly, there is another really important way that you can help support the podcast, and that's simply by rating it or leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, maybe by subscribing on YouTube. Yes, we are a video podcast as well. Guys, thank you so much for listening in to this episode of Justice Matters. Please come again soon. We can't wait to share more episodes with you. I'm your host, Tim Buxton. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.